Hi, I'm Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels, and welcome to my podcast. This is part two of the topic I covered in Q&A number 73, equine body language, and they do talk to us, but we have to listen. Part two addresses more in the saddle, and um, what I often get for questions in clinics and lessons, and as well for coaching. Um, people will complain about a horse that bucks or rears or breaks pattern or maybe bolts and runs off with them or acts um, alley sour or barn or herd sour. And all those are ways of horses yelling that they don't aren't comfortable, um, that their mental and emotional well-being is not being addressed. And those are all things that really need to be looked at and considered. Um, but be first and foremost, <clears throat> before you can address the mental and the emotional, you have got to have some sort of relationship with that horse. Um, it all begins on the ground. It all begins with your foundation and your basics. Uh, TLC motto is ride with heart and it's based on love it's also based on gaining a horse's trust and respect and communication of cues so there's no way you're going to be able to handle a scared 1,000 pound horse um, there's no way you're going to be able to stop a upset 1,000 pound horse so you know, 1,200 pounds, whatever, you just have to realize that without some line of communication, without understanding what your equine partner is telling you, um, it's it's lacking of your horsemanship that you're not looking into this. If it's gotten to the point of alley sour or running off and bolting with you, um, being herd sour, rearing, bucking, breaking patterns, something happened along the way that was ignored where a horse was over pressured or possibly over exposed and those things allowed for these bad habits that we call bad habits to start but it's just a horse's way of yelling after they've tried to tell us by talking that something wasn't right it's no different than the person that says my horse has never kicked me before or never bit me before. They ignored the little stuff, the little mouthy around on them and nipping at them. They ignored pinning ears and cocking a leg and uh, putting their hip into them, putting their butt into them instead of being respectful with two eyes on them and their hip away from them. Um, you know, you ignore the little things when you pull the halter off in their stall or their pasture and let them turn their butt to you and kick or, or spin and bolt instead of face you and let you walk away first. Um, all those small things add up in the saddle. So oftentimes when I hear about these problems, um, let's say breaking pattern, that usually comes from somewhere along the line, the horse is getting overexposed or overpressured. Maybe it was a situation that they weren't prepared to handle like a pro rodeo or super show. Uh, maybe you didn't ride them enough during that week or did an exhibition and show them that pin. It could also be something's bothering them. They could be sore. Um, but oftentimes when I see a horse breaking pattern, it is more of a mental or emotional thing 
Um, although it can happen with pain, but it will often hop happen because they were overexposed or overpressured. Can you fix it? Absolutely. Um, whenever a problem arises, it's always smart to take a break, go back to slow work, evaluate if it is pain related, deal with that. If it's training related, go back to slow work, go back to basics and get that fixed. Um, the worst thing you can do when a horse is feeling overpressured or overexposed is keep framing on them, keep disciplining them. Now, am I not saying that you you don't sit up there and just say, good boy, easy, it's okay? No, um, you do have to have things in your toolbox to help you get your horse under control. And that's why groundwork so important. On the ground, teach the horse to face flex to calm down, a calming cue laterally face flexing. Teach them to disengage their hindquarters with your hand in the back cinch area. That way, when you're in the saddle and they spook of turkeys coming out of the bushes, you can ask them to do a one rein stop and disengage their hindquarters to teach them to spook in place, to trust you and to focus on the cue and not what they're afraid of so they don't bolt with you. So often when I hear of riders having a horse bolt with them, it's often a lack of foundation that was established in the arena, the round pen, in the first rides. They took them too soon out of the backyard, out of the pasture, and out of the arena, and went on to the trail rides or to the arenas before they had a solid foundation with things in their toolbox to say, hey, pay attention to me spook in place, desensitize by trusting me and, and paying attention to the cue and the relaxing. Um, horses that get herd bound or barn sour are often aggravated with their riders and would rather be with the herd. Um, again, they could be feeling overpressured. Uh, it could be a respect thing as well, um, letting them run back to the barn or let them camp out next to their pasture buddy all the time and not having them work circles and pay attention to you instead. Um, there's so many factors that go into uh, equine body language and a lot of it's not physical a lot of it's mental and emotional and lack of preparation so um, absolutely you need to have things in your basics like um, face flexing left right and down collection like transitions from extended to slower speeds like a, a lope to a trot to a walk or a walk trot lope um, you have to have a nice loose rein woe and you know backing um, you know all of those things would be really important a horse that yields leg pressure gives to rein pressure direct rein neck rein um, moves away from leg pressure just all of those things are super important as basics, but basics and behavior are two different things. Be sure your foundation, your basics are super solid. That's the physical and mental combined. And then once you know you've done that and you've done desensitizing, maybe sack them out with flags and slickers and ropes and lunge lines and you know instead of making excuses for our horses you know oh you know maybe they were beat with a whip or or this or that um you know every horse has got their own unique personality some are pushy some are scared um some you know they're all they're all unique you know some are are hot 
some are laid back. Every horse is definitely unique. Um, and their circumstances can absolutely play a factor. You know, I talk about my bottle-fed baby Rocky, who spent his first two months of his life in my lap, and me treating him like a china doll because I was so scared he would die. He was too small. He was half the size of a normal foal. He was very fragile. He had seizures and passed out. He couldn't reach his mom's milk. So we had to bottle feed at first and then had to be sure around the clock he was getting uh, medicines he needed every couple hours and, and make sure he was nursing when he could finally reach every two hours. It was it was a lot. And then once the seizure started, I just probably treated him like a China doll for way too long. Um, and also he didn't have boundaries because he spent his whole life with me on top of him, him on top of me while I medicated him around the clock. So um, he became a very oral horse, a very pushy horse. So every time I work with him, I have to teach him boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. And um, in the saddle, he's been awesome. But in the ground, he goes back to his old ways of crowd me or or make me, or that kind of personality. I also have another horse that I picked up when she was only three years old, and she was scared to death of everything, fractious, bucked with the saddle for a month. When I first got her home, she was wild, and she has a fractious way about her. Um, but knowing how they are, knowing um, each of their individual personalities, you learn how to work with the scared horse. You learn how to work with the pushy horse. Um, you learn how to deal with a hot horse and or a lazy horse. And they all require different uh, ways of communicating to get your results done. You cannot treat the hot horse like the laid back horse. You can't treat the scared horse like the pushy horse. Um, it's just like the people you meet in your life or the people I give lessons to. Some want me to be harder on them and pick, pick, pick and really, you know, break it down and make them, you know, others need me to coddle them more and congratulate them more and, and build their positivity and, and all that. And neither one is wrong. It's just how they process, how they learn. And everybody learns differently. Some people want more criticism. Some people need more praises. Some people, um, want to focus on one thing. Others can focus on several things. Um, some people, most people learn by doing, um, some can watch and do, um, some can listen and do, but most have to actually do it to get good at it. So, um, you know, it, most of them have to visually see it and then try it in my uh, experience of the last 30 years of helping horse and riders. So, Everyone's an individual on how they learn and and how um, they process and also uh, what's going to work best for uh, helping them. So if ever you find yourself in a situation, you have a horse that maybe is scared or fractious, that's not a horse you want to get in a claustrophobic um you know, fight or flight situation where they can't get away from the pressure. Um, those kind of horses are usually going to be the horse that sets back when scared or um, wants to break pattern when scared or, you know, can't handle the higher pressured rodeo events or a lot of horses running around them or, you know, just a lot more loud environments. Um, 
you know, each horse has their own individual uh, way about them, as I mentioned. And unfortunately, when people ignore that, um, it leads to problems um, like rearing and bucking. And the worst thing is to have horse become habitual bucker or rearer. Um, once something's a habit, it's so much harder to break. It takes three times as long to fix something than had you done it right the first time. Um, when you do things right and you do things slow on the front end, you would be so surprised how fast things can progress with a horse as you go. But if you don't, if you put the cart in front of the horse and start doing performance or competition or trail riding or all of that before you truly have a solid foundation in the round pin on the ground or in the arena in the saddle um you know really have some buttons and lines of communication and develop that connection you're setting that horse up for failure and that's not what you're looking to do um we want to set them up for wins uh, we don't want to set them up to lose. We want to set them up for yes answers, not not no. Um, and that's the biggest thing I, I, I think I could stress in this po podcast is um, going at the speed that they need so that you are setting them up to have a win um, to have yes answers, to build their confidence and to leave them wanting to learn more rather than setting them up for failure where they dread training, they dread competition, um, they dread people. And I've seen all of that sadly. And I will also tell you that when things go bad, um, the best thing you can do is slow down and go back to basics. And if that requires the ground before the saddle, then so be it. But that is the number one thing that you can do to fix any issues that you're having with your horse. Um, sadly, if a horse starts with a whisper of what they like and dislike, you'll eventually hear them talk to you until it flat out becomes a yell or a scream. And uh, we've all seen that at barrel races um, or out and about and heard about wrecks. And uh, we've all had our own little wrecks. And hindsight being 2020, you can always say, wow, I skipped steps or I really didn't um, prepare that horse as I should have, or I didn't pay attention to those red flags. And all of those things cause um, carelessness and can set you up to get hurt, can set a horse up to get hurt or worse. So um, as a horseman, it's our responsibility to understand body language and approach a horse in a soft and gentle manner that gets them to want to work with us. I don't I started a hundred babies under saddle in my early years, my twenties and thirties, and I never had to buck one out. Number one, I don't ride a bucking horse very well. I don't want to ride a bucking horse very well. So I did everything based on, um, horsemanship that I was 
learned over the years, whether it be John Lyons or Tom Dorrance or Clinton Anderson, Pat Pirelli, um, you know, you go back to Buck Branaham, all of those uh, communications are going to be starting a horse under saddle with a solid foundation. If you do the groundwork, like Rocky was my last baby I started and under saddle and I was over 50 at that point. Um, you know, most women send their babies out to be started. And I can tell you of horror stories of ladies that have sent their horses out to get started and it be done bad. And sadly, those trainers are never called out for it. They just, you know, have these horses have these bad experiences and it's never a good thing for the horse. And it keeps happening because nobody says anything and it's really quite sad. So cult, finding a good cult starter or doing it yourself is honestly the most important thing you can do. I, I truly believe if a horse doesn't get the proper foundation in life, it can screw them for the rest of their life. Um, you know, maybe they'll be half of what they could, maybe they'll be 75% of what they could, but they could be a hundred percent if they get the right start in life and they're not overexposed. They're not, um, having bad habits. Uh, all of those things are so important. So, um, like I said, I was over 50 when I started Rocky and never once in the saddle has he done anything, um, naughty. So, and that's because I took the time on the ground. I was ponying him as a yearling out with the cattle in the pastures. Um, you know, he was having the saddle and stuff thrown on him at two. I never got on him until he was three and it was only for a month or so and turned him back out. And I really didn't get his basics going because of his size until he was four. And I just started showing him the barrel pattern at five. I'm in no hurry. And at, at six, my plan is to start hauling to exhibition and maybe enter him by the end of the year. So again, um, in our world, the Western world, you know, people are starting horses at two years old and they maybe aren't even developed enough yet to hold a rider's weight. And they're getting their basics done at two and competing their three year, the end of their three-year-old year, which to me is insane. They're expecting 1D times as four-year-olds. And um, it's a lot. It's a lot for young minds, young bodies to handle. I personally did my cult starting at three or basics at three, barrel training at four and maturity year at five. I just felt better about it. Um, giving them two years of training, not six months. Um, and I feel like they are a better horse for it. So uh, great horses are not made in months. They're made in years. And you have to keep that in mind. And that's why horses sell for what they sell for. Because someone put the time and money into them um, on the front side to make them what they are. Um, the time and training, I should say. Money if you have to ship them out to train them. But but absolutely, it's a key um, component to your future success and performance. And a lot of riders are learning. So if you're learning and your horse is learning, um, it's even more important that you get professional help, whether it be through clinics, lessons, or training. Um, you certainly need to seek it out and don't be in a hurry to go fast. Um, and pay attention for hot spots. And um, 
listen when they talk and it should never have to come to a yell or a scream. So thank you for tuning in for part two of the topic equine body language. And this one was geared more on under saddle. Um, but thank you again and God bless and ride with heart.